You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see lots of smiling faces this morning. And hello to everyone online as well. We're glad that you're here with us today for our service. Um, has anyone ever had the experience where you know that you are in the car or something or you've gone on a special holiday and you know that there's this simply brilliant vista somewhere that you want to take in? You really want to, you've gone somewhere to a lookout specifically for the purpose of seeing an incredible view, of drinking in that view, of taking it in. Show of hands, I'm sure we all have. There's so many beautiful places just around here where you can do that. Well, um, a couple of, not a couple of years ago, it's over a decade ago now that Joel and I were pre-children, early years married, and um, we went on a trip together to the States. Joel has family over there and we went to stay with them for a while. And it had always been on my bucket list to go and visit New York City. And we were like a two-hour flight away. And so we did. We went to New York and um, we spent a bit over a week there having a great time pre-nap times and feed times and all that, just going out on the town, enjoying ourselves. Anyway, the first um, night that we were there, we'd done a whole range of sightseeing activities that day. And we're like, we've still got energy. We're probably on adrenaline. We want to keep going. And we'd heard that the view from the top of the Empire State Building at night is just spectacular. Has anyone seen that in person? Gay has and Rex. It is, isn't it? You know what I'm talking about. This photo, uh, I think that's from the Empire State Building. Yes, it doesn't actually do it justice. There's no photo of anything ever does. But um, we entered the lobby paid, I believe, I'm pretty sure we had to pay to go up the lifts to the top of the Empire State Building and um, we stepped out there and, you know, really anticipating taking in, drinking in this view of Manhattan Island at night and um, we stepped out and, you know, you walk into a room like at the top of Eureka Tower or whatever and you've got the windows in front of you and because of, you know, the rain, the spray of the rain which is often dirty, especially in a big city like New York City, Um, on the windows, you could make out that there was this incredible view to see. Absolutely there was, but you couldn't quite appreciate it for all it was worth until you actually stepped out of the doors onto the viewing platform and you could see it in the open air and um, really drink in the, I don't know how many millions of like twinkling lights um, there were with the um, black canvas, the darkness of night behind it. Um, So yeah, we had to step out of the Empire State Building, onto the external viewing platform in order to really appreciate this view um, that we've come to see. And just as we've come to marvel afresh the last few weeks on our journey through the Bible this year, uh, we've come to marvel again at Jesus, his person, his work, his ministry, his heart for us as humanity. Um, I believe today that God would call us to marvel again at the wonder and the mastery of his plan to grow disciples and reach the world with his love in this current age. And of course, I'm talking about the church, the church. But the reality is, however, just as I've described my experience and Joel's experience at the top of the Empire State Building, I was about to say Eiffel Tower, but that's a completely different country, completely different city. Just as I've described that, sometimes our view of the beauty 
and the wonder and God's incredible design to reach the world and to grow disciples through the church is it's like we're looking at the church through dirty glass um, because all we can or all sometimes what we've recently experienced or the memories of times past of strained relationships of broken people on the journey to becoming more like Jesus who have hurt us along the way of unforgiveness, of discouragement or offence, they do mar that view of what is truly a beautiful thing, which is the body of Christ. We see these glimpses of the goodness and the grace and the love and um, just the presence of God in the local church, but yet our view is marred because of the baggage, I guess, that we're bringing into it and the experiences that sometimes we Uh, we go through as part of a church. But this morning I believe that God would really have, um, he would clean the glass for us, so to speak, again, so that we can truly drink in the beauty of what is his plan uh, to reach the world and to grow disciples through his design of the church. You with me? Yes. So let's pray together as we look at the word of God today. Lord, we thank you that we are here today. Lord, we get to worship together as part of Christian community each week in this forum and so many others throughout the week, Lord. And um, we are just glad to be here. And Lord, we want to submit to your word and to your presence, to your spirit this morning. As we open your word and as we explore it together, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to just come and move in our hearts. So we posture ourselves, our hearts this morning, with just a desire to receive from you and um, to be changed by you. Lord, we want to submit ourselves to your word and to your spirit's leading. So would you reveal things in us that you might be prodding us to to surrender to you, things that you would have us grow in, things that you would have us enjoy more today, we pray. All for the glory of Jesus. Amen. So God has a plan for this era. Since Jesus ascended to heaven and until his much-awaited and glorious return. And let's remember, friends, that there is an actual day, as surely as today is the 20th of November, 2022, there is an actual day in human history where Jesus will return. We can forget that sometimes, but there is actually a day when Jesus will return. Until that time, God has chosen the body of believers the Holy Spirit-led church, to be the vehicle through which he makes his purposes come to pass in the world. Let's um, lay a ground, a foundation for that. In Mark 16, verse 15, uh, this is Jesus speaking, just as he was preparing to leave the world and return to the Father in heaven. He says, and he said to them, to his disciples, which is us today, right? For all of us who are following Jesus, this is us. Go into all the world And proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Jesus' work and ministry when he walked the face of this earth, friends, was just the beginning. He had then and he still has now so much more that he intends, that he wants to accomplish. And here's the exciting thing. He wants to do that in partnership with us. With us. Here. What a privilege. What an honor. We can't... You think, what? Us? But, you know, that's God's desire. That's his design. And then we read in John 15 that in order to achieve this, in order to make his word go forward to all of creation, Jesus promised that he would send the counselor, his spirit, his very spirit, 
to be in and with his followers forever and to help them testify about Jesus' truth and love. And boy, did the Spirit come in power at Pentecost to reside in the hearts of all who followed Jesus, to empower the early church. You can read that in Acts 2. And what was the result when the Holy Spirit came? Boldness, love, joy, peace, courage, adoration, all the fruits, all the evidence of God's Spirit living in believers, residing in them. This was the portion of all who followed Jesus. And it's our portion today too, friends. This is the reality. God's Spirit resides in the hearts of all who would come to him. And so, having been filled with God's Spirit, his Spirit actually taking up residence in the hearts of the believers, how did the early disciples then live out their calling as this Jesus movement, as they came to be known in that time and as we are today. Uh, Let's read together Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. This is a description of how they came to live out that calling. It says there, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. What an incredible picture. Hey, who wants to be a part of a church like that? Oh, well, I'll stop preaching now. <laughs> so what characterised the newly established church is they went about telling the world of this good news about Jesus and God's love revealed through Jesus. There's a Greek word used uh, back in verse 44 that says all the believers were together and had everything in common. And that Greek word is koinonia. And What it's getting at is shared participation in the community of believers, beautiful, generous, devoted, caring, sharing fellowship. Yes, we read, signs and wonders accompanied their message of salvation. Yes, they opened their mouths to actually speak the words of God's invitation to the world, to the people around them. And through it all, the body of believers was characterized by this beautiful togetherness, this fellowship and devotion to each other like that of a family, koinonia. And the result, we read it at the end of that passage, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, maybe you're here thinking or, you know, as you critically um, engage with the message, as I hope everyone does every week, you might be thinking, that's great, Laura, but I'm wondering if this uh, passage that you've just read is purely descriptive of a moment in time of the church's history. Um, Does it actually ring true? Does it go through? Is it prescriptive, I guess? Is it a blueprint for the church today? Well, let's have a look at that. This thread of koinonia, of shared fellowship, of devoted fellowship and service and love for one another as Christian fellow believers, brothers and sisters, is actually a thread from this point through the entirety of the New Testament. It continues all the way through, a big theme. You don't have to go far to look for it, and I encourage you to 
to look for as you read the letters, especially Paul's letters to the churches. But just a few examples. In Romans 15, 26, the church together, the believers together joining to alleviate poverty in communities. In 2 Corinthians 8, 4, the church, the believers coming together to financially support others to share the gospel. In 2 Corinthians 9.13 and Hebrews 13.16, the believers giving generously together of their resources. There's so many notes. If you read through the letters of Paul and the other apostles in the, in the New Testament, you see there that there's this assumption that believers are together, living life together, serving God and the world together the whole thrust of the New Testament letters to the churches is that shared worship, participation in life, devotion to one another, sharing of resources and sharing of the gospel is the way forward, the way forward that God has designed for Christ's body, the church, until his return. We don't have to um, look far, friends, to see that there is simply no evidence in the scripture of God's desire for a me and Jesus mentality to our faith walk. There's none. We've all heard it said, and maybe we've even walked this road before, or even been tempted to think it ourselves at times, that I can get on fine, maybe I can even grow or thrive in my walk with God without belonging to a local church. These thoughts can come. I don't like institutions. Maybe that's your objection. I can read my Bible at home. I can listen to good preaching. can listen to any number of world-class pe- preachers, far better than Joel or myself or anyone here in terms of the art of communication. I can listen to any number of world-class preachers from the comfort of my couch in my own home. I can grow in my faith. I can give my finances to charities or the like and in doing so be giving a tithe. What's the difference between any type of this arrangement or being part of the institution of the local church? Or maybe you've thought before or you've got some of these thoughts at the moment that I'll technically be a member of a local church but really I'll come and go, not just, I'm not just talking friends about a Sunday morning, please hear me, I'm talking about the entirety of church life today, but I'll come and go, I'll be involved when it pleases me, when it suits me, um, I'll, pretty well I'll set the boundaries for how I participate and how I am involved. It's on my terms and not on the terms of the community's benefit. But thinking of this late nature has long been around, but there's so much evidence um, was, as we look around as church leaders now, we're looking around the world and seeing that this type of thinking and mentality has taken a far deeper root and an accelerated rate over the pandemic experience. That's just the reality, because we were forced, weren't we, for many, many months at a time to live separately, to live without our usual frameworks of Christian community And many came to prefer that vision for their Christian life. One lived largely independently and self-sufficiently on our own terms. Can I tell you this morning that I don't think God is too keen on institutions for the sake of institutions either, if that's your objection to church life and really getting involved in the, the heartbeat of a local community church. I don't think that God has much time for institutions for themselves. Scripture shows us, as we've looked all through the Old Testament so far this year, 
that things can just become empty. Jesus himself had a lot to say about empty rituals, mindless traditions. God doesn't so much care for institutions, but he does care deeply for community, friends. That's the point. He cares deeply about community and Christian community. Forget the building, forget all the programs, all of that. He cares for Christian community. All those other things, you know, a place, a physical location to worship, programs like a women's breakfast that we ran yesterday or Alpha or whatever, they are just means. But the heart behind them, Christian community devoted to one another, involved participation in each other's lives and serving together is God's heart for us as his followers in this era. In all love this morning, I would point you to God's word and say that any arrangement that resembles any of those things that we just spoke about, just a desire for a me and Jesus mentality, self-sufficient, independent, I'll take care of my own walk, Christian living is simply not God's plan for your belonging or for your growth as his follower. In all love, he just has a better plan. He has a better plan. In all his wisdom, he has a better plan for you. So let me expand on those points. Let's look at it together. First up, belonging. God's design for church community, for deeply committed, involved, communal, generous, all-in Christian community, it finds its origins in the eternal community of the Father, Son, and Spirit. The community that we experience as a local church together, as a part of his body, is an expression of, and it's a witness to, the eternal heavenly community of the Godhead. Cherie Hayes from the Bible Project, she says it this way, God wants us to receive and reflect the generous fellowship he enjoys as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to receive and reflect that. This is the mission of God, to unite creation to himself and human beings to one another. When God's mission is carried out, more and more of the joy, generosity and peace of the Father, Son and Spirit can be seen on earth. The church devoted to one another as the family of God, worshipping together, serving, loving, giving generously together. Like the early church we read described in Acts 2, in all these ways and more, we demonstrate to the world around us the very nature of God and his desire that all people enter into community, into relationship with him through Jesus. And we simply can't do this with a me and Jesus mentality. The very nature of it precludes that possibility, doesn't it? How can we show the community and the sense of love and relationship that God desires if we're just journeying by ourselves? The the model doesn't fit. As we give of ourselves to this life-giving, generous community in the form of the local church, we engage in God's plan to share with the people around us the good news about what he himself is like and his desire for relationship with them. Let's turn to John 13, 34 to 35. And this is Jesus himself. These are his words. He says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. 
As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This command that Jesus gave to love one another in the same way, friends, that he loves us, it really puts legs on the idea of love, doesn't it? As I have loved you. How has Christ loved us? I love that passage in Philippians. It sheds light on this perfectly. He humbled himself, Philippians 2, taking himself, taking flesh on, leaving the heavenly realms, taking on flesh, leaving all of his glory, all of his eternal riches in heaven to take on flesh, giving up everything to identify with us, to heal us, to win us, to serve us, and ultimately dying a horrific death on a cross, a death befitting of a felon, to take the punishment for our rebellion against God as we sought to do life on our own terms. The punishment that should have been ours, Jesus took on for us, also that we could come near to a holy God again as is his deepest and truest desire. To love and know and treasure Christ is to love and know and treasure his bride, his body, the church. Not some abstract notion of church somewhere out there throughout the ages. Let's make it personal today. If you're here this morning or if you're listening online and you call Liberty your church family, or any other church for that matter, but you call that your church family, this community right here, the people to your left and to your right, in front and behind you, the kids out in creation in Liberty Kids, these are the people that you are specifically called to love in the same way that Christ loved you and loves you. These people here today, we are to love one another Do we love one another with that same integrity and intensity and passion as Jesus has loved us? And we can't do this by ourselves, by the way, friends. It's not something that we just conjure up and we sort of bolster our own resources. We need desperately the Holy Spirit's power. We'll move on to that later. We need God's help to do that. It is a hard task. But do we hold each other with that kind of high regard? Would we do anything to worship together not just on a Sunday, but in the dailiness of life, lived together? Do we count each other truly as brothers and sisters? Would we share all of our resources, all of our time, our treasure, our talents to serve, to support one another? Because in doing so, we preach to the world around us that needs so desperately to hear the good news about Jesus. We preach to them the love of God, And we say, this is what God is like. This is the nature of relationship that God has within himself and desires to mend with the world. We give them opportunity to see it. When we do this, we are saying, this is what God is like. This is what his love is like. And secondly, devoted Christian community is God's plan for our growth. It is God's plan for your growth as his follower. How so, you ask? Again, can I just go deeper with God, my walk with Jesus, as I read my Bible in my quiet time at home, pray, give, share his love with those around me? Can I just go deeper with God in that way? 
Well, yes, you can, and you will. You can absolutely, you know, plug into God in prayer and hear from him, and it's part of our Christian growth that we take on a personal responsibility for knowing God and abiding with him more and more. Any combination of these things will help you to grow in your walk with God. But here's the clincher, that belonging to and giving of yourself to devoted Christian community is the place where our love for Christ and our obedience to him is tested and it's perfected. How many of us might have winced this morning inside a bit as I described how the church, the body of Christ, is God's chosen vehicle through which he shares his love with a world far from him? Who winced inside of it like, oh, are you serious? Couldn't there be a better model? We're so imperfect. How can this possibly be the way that God chose to share his love? We muck up so often. Christian community can be so messy. There's so much of the remnants of those sinful, self-centered selves in the mix. Christian community can be ugly at times. No Christian or church community is perfect. Hurt does and will happen. Offence, it does and will happen. Let's personalise it today. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but if you're a part of Liberty Family Church today, I can guarantee you, it's a guarantee that you will experience hurt and or offence at some point into the future. If you haven't already, there will be opportunity for you to be hurt or offended as part of this Christian community. It's an absolute guarantee. We all get things wrong. Although we're absolutely 100% redeemed by the blood of Jesus, forgiven, given new abundant life, as Joel spoke to last week, Jesus' nature is still being perfected in us. We still have choices as his disciples. We can choose to walk in step with his spirit in us. And sometimes we choose alternately and we, our choices hurt others. What's more, we are a melting pot of different life experiences, of values, personality types, temperaments. And yet, we're in, somehow in God's mastery, in his wonderful wisdom, he has called us to be devoted to each other in a community of faith. There are probably people here, or maybe not here today, wherever they are today, who you would never choose as your friends because you simply don't share that much in common with them. That's the long and the short of it. And there may even be part, people, part of our community of faith, that you don't even naturally like. But love. Love, friends, as I'm sure many of us have experienced through life. Love is something entirely different altogether, isn't it? Let me put this to you today, friends. We need to be planted in. We need to be devoted to Christian community so that we can grow more into the people that God designed for us to be. We need that opportunity to be hurt, to be offended, to not enjoy conversation with John 
Smith, who, you know, really annoys us every week because all they do is rattle on about X, Y, Z. We need these opportunities because we get opportunities then to show love. I love John Cavarell. <laughs> I'm not talking about John. <laughs> Just to clear that up, I was quickly searching for a surname. Ah, uh, Smith. <laughs> We need those opportunities to be hurt and to be offended and to choose otherwise, to choose to love. And that is how Christ's character is perfected in us. I'm sure we've all no doubt heard stories of, and I'm thinking particularly celebrities who, uh, for whatever reason, they front up and they often organise their own uh, media conference to declare their commitment to giving away you know, however many millions of dollars in towards, you know, the building of a new hospital wing at the children's hospital or a new dog shelter or establishing a soup kitchen and they make a big hoo-ha of it and make it very public and then that same media later reports that, oh, they only ever gave a fraction of the funds that they promised, if any, at all. Have you heard stories like that? I have. They sort of make you think, oh, just make you cringe inside. And similarly, though, the evidence of the fruit of God's Spirit in us, in me, is only as good as I have opportunity to show it, to put my money where my mouth is and to live in Christian community, in the crucible of Christian community where I can actually choose to walk in step with God's Spirit or I can choose otherwise. God has designed for us, his followers, to grow and for us to be made more of the people that he desires for us to be as we walk out our faith with Christ in the crucible of Christian community. That is where, with all sorts of relationship dynamics, struggles, trials, different seasons of life, we have opportunity to choose to partner with Jesus and to step into the new creations that he's making us to be time and time and time again. How can we possibly choose to submit to God's command, for instance, to forgive each other just as he has forgiven us if we can never be hurt because we don't live amongst each other? We can't. How can we choose to walk the road of long-suffering and patience with others when they press our buttons or annoy us or hurt us, intentionally or otherwise? A lot of it is completely unintentional if there's actually no one around us, as we look around, we're not in community with anyone that we need to be patient with. How can loving kindness be perfected in us if we don't have opportunity to consistently practice love, especially so when we don't necessarily feel like it or want to? All through the New Testament letters, we hear God's encouragement to bear with one another in love to live such good and holy, different lives, lives together in Christian community, so that everyone would know that God is amongst us. I love Paul's letter to the Ephesians. It starts by declaring the wonderful truths about who Jesus is, what he has done at a very grandiose scale. There's a lot of majesty and awe involved those first couple of chapters of Ephesians. But then Paul goes on to say, because of these things, because of who Jesus is and what he has done, because of who you are now in Christ, this is how you should live. Let's read Ephesians 4, verse 1 to 6 to start with. As a prisoner for the Lord, this is Paul then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient 
bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And it goes on, verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. And here it is, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. Not a head knowledge of the Son of God, but an experienced heart knowledge and a living amongst the people of faith and become mature. That's a key word. Mature followers, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, from Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, builds itself up in love as each part does its work. What an incredible passage of scripture. How beautiful is that? That picture of the community of faith building each other up with Jesus as our captain, Jesus as the leader, building his church, a beautiful, beautiful church that bears witness to the world around us as we live in committed, devoted, loving community together. Growing up, maturing together in love. This is God's purpose for devoted Christian community. Friends, let's this morning allow God's Spirit to open the eyes of our hearts to again be captivated by the view. His church, his body is beautiful. What a beautiful plan that God would call us first to relationship restored with himself through Jesus and then he would call us together to go out into the world in devoted Christian community, a loving, caring, supporting, serving, generous community of faith to show, to be a real picture for people of what God is like. It's a beautiful view. Christ's church, the body of believers, which he equates with his body, is the vehicle for God's ongoing work to make his name his reputation, his person, his work, the work of Jesus famous until his return. We'll close again. Cherie Hayes from the Bible Project, she encourages us. When we give our time to the family of God, we all get a glimpse of eternity. And isn't that true? We can be living as brothers and sisters in God's presence for all eternity. We may as well start now. <laughs> Every time we emotionally spend ourselves for, for each other, we can all feel God's love and commitment for us. When our limited resources are generously shared, God's limitless resources 
can be experienced by all. We were created in the image of a God who has always known the abundance of shared fellowship. His reflection can be seen on earth just as it is in heaven when we share all that we have. Sharing our lives with each other in devoted Christian community. Friends, the invitation that I'd like to put to you today, or more than that, that I believe God wants to put to us today is this. Would you give of yourself afresh? Would you renew your commitment today to give of yourself to the people that you worship with? Would you share your life? Would you share your prayers, your energies, your finances, your time, your love, your heart, to truly love them, each other here today and all those who are part of this community of faith who aren't here today, would we love each other in the same way that Jesus loved us and loves us? He went all in for us. He didn't even hold his very life back for us as he hung there on the cross. We are to love one another in that same fashion. And in doing this, in committing yourself to be all in, to creating a loving community of faith, not only to the people that you worship with, your brothers, sisters in Christ, not only do those people benefit, but as we've seen through the scripture today, God uses the unity of his body, the generosity, the love, the caring, sharing nature of the body of Christ to bring Jesus glory and honour. And isn't that what it's all about? Yeah, giving God the praise and to win people to himself, to win disciples to Jesus as his spirit moves through what we do and through who we are together as the body of Christ what it's about.